Thank you for listening to the Weekly Market Outlook. It is our pleasure to bring an industry-leading market analyst to provide you with the most value possible in your farm business. Please reach out anytime by emailing cbaron at agviewsolutions.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AgView Pitch. We are heading into another marketing week, actually the last marketing week of 2022, and we have with us Jared Creed, JC Marketing. Jared, how's it going? I'm doing well, trying to stay warm, just like everybody else, I'm assuming. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that's kind of the, the thing. So as we record this um, a little bit in advance of, of the 27th through the 30th, this last marketing week. We're going to talk a little bit about the the days ahead in marketing and some things we need to think about at year end and also as we head into 2023. So uh, the the cold and everything's going to gonna break loose to a little bit warmer weather. Probably when people are listening to this, hopefully it's warming back off. But uh, hopefully everybody had a safe Christmas and is getting excited for the new year of 2023. So with that said, Jared, um, as we look to a new year, what what things are you watching for? What what are some of the things, big picture, that you're you're thinking about on the markets that farmers need to be thinking about? Well, I think we can ramble on here a little bit with no particular order. In the last couple of weeks, the market's most definitely been very concerned about South America production. When I say very concerned, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're moving prices dramatically based upon weather forecasts in South America. But right now what you have is Argentina planting phase continues to be lackluster, uh, mainly driven by lack of moisture and some uh, very oppressive heat. Uh, they got a few breaks coming here and there. For the most part, Brazil uh, is in good to pretty good shape, especially Mato Grosso, their largest producing state. Uh, they look like they're off to a very, very good start with some of the Argentina dryness creeping into southern Brazil. So the weather market is uh, nothing to be too surprised about. Uh, It has legs to be around for another 30 to 45 days, I'd imagine, Uh, especially when you consider just the the landscape, how large of an area you have for a growing region between Argentina and Brazil. Uh, It's not like a third week of August for soybeans, third, fourth week of August for soybeans in the U.S. and July temperatures. I mean, it's a long, long window. Argentina plants corn for five months. Mm -hmm. So I think recently the story has been more tied to soybeans. Uh, But my personal opinion, I think if the weather does stay detrimental in Argentina, that conversation shifts a little bit away from soybeans to more of corn. And quite honestly, the, uh, the week here before Christmas, that think the market maybe did start to look at that a little bit. Uh, Corn runs a risk of just abandoning area. There's a significant amount of estimates out there from uh, what I would consider relatively trustworthy sources of thinking that the Argentina corn and bean crop has both lost five to seven million tons to this point. Again, mostly off of uh, losing area planted. So we're going to get another look at that in January from USDA. They didn't make any production changes in December, right, wrong, or indifferent. But I think when you look forward here, it's no secret we got the weather market right now. Uh, but January 12th, right around the corner, going to be here in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's a big, big day. 
uh, it's a big data dump day, oftentimes considered a Super Bowl day of all of USDA uh, reports. You got the January WASD, which is going to give us an updated view of our demand locally. Uh, maybe a little bit of supply change. We'll touch on that in a second. Uh, but the WASDE is also going to consider uh, any crop updates in Argentina and Brazil, Ukraine, other parts of the world inside growing seasons. Uh, maybe most importantly on that day, we're going to have a quarterly stocks report to give us a little bit of a backwardated view of our demand or total usage versus supply in quarter four of 2022. And then on top of all of that, we have our final crop production report for the 2022 crop. The one piece just to keep in the back of your mind there is that back in August or September, apologize, I can't remember which month it was, USDA basically said, we're just going to wait until the January final report to make any acreage adjustments if need be. And it seems like a long distant memory now, but you know, the planting season of the 2022 crop wasn't necessarily stellar. And there mm -hmm. was a significant amount of prevent plant in the Northern Plains and a few other places. So we could see some type of a friendly surprise from that data. Uh, but, you know, that's yet to be determined. I'm not going to hang my hat on that. But, again, January 12th is a pretty darn important day. I was joking with somebody earlier uh, today, actually, that they're meeting with their banker to update their balance sheet on January 13th. I said, man, it would be awfully nice if we could just do that on January 11th, <laughs> yeah. a day prior, because you can have some very, very substantial swings. Uh, on the January 12th report. And, you know, historically, we've seen moves by 2 to 3% uh, on that January report day. And when you start thinking about 2 to 3% in corn, uh, you're talking about 15 to 20 cents. In, in beans, you're talking about a potential of 30 to 45 cents. So I wouldn't be all that surprised to see big price moves. Uh, and, and here lately, you know, corn has been able to put together about a 25-cent rally. Uh, 670 to 680 is a pretty important price point on March corn from a technical view. And maybe after the first of the year, we see a, a, a change of heart from outside money and want to actually be a participant in the market. Uh, and meanwhile, soybeans, it feels like we've been moving a lot. They're firm. We haven't been able to really eclipse the $15 board price on old crop. We really haven't been able to eclipse and stay above 14 on new crop. Uh, but nonetheless, it's just been up and down, up and down, 15 to 20 cents for the last two weeks. And it may feel like a lot, but that's, that's just something that has to be uh, considered and keep the emotions in check. That That's really only 1% to 2% moves uh, throughout a week's time frame. So it's, maybe you could call it the doldrums of the winter. Uh, price really hasn't changed all that much. But we really have some important data points coming to us in the future here. Uh, and obviously right after January, you're going to get in to the insurance averaging period in February. A lot of critical price points between now and then for the safety net of the farmer. And then obviously you wrap kind of a lot of that up in March with the planning acreage intentions. So a lot of data coming to us that um, I would say historically the South America production maybe didn't get quite the emphasis that we've had this year in the month of December. But as their production area just gets larger and larger and more dependency is put on that, it's obviously going to get more attention in the market. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to ask and, and, and back up on the front end of what you started talking about is we wrap up 
2022 in this last week, and then as we look at the first, say, 10 days or so-ish of January, a lot of times there's some price strength, you know, like seasonal price strength in there. Sometimes that's a good time to kind of get caught up or clean up, not only on the deliveries of the old crop, but maybe maybe plugging in the rest of those final sales or, you know, just kind of looking at that cash flow going into the the new year. What's your thought there, um, you know, in front of that report, you know, on January 12th? Obviously, it's a coin flip what happens there. Uh, it's a big unknown of what mm-hmm. kind of price direction that report could provide. And it goes back to what we've talked about before. What is the known? The known is the values that we have today. Yep. Uh, we've tried to respect the South America weather market for a period of time here. Uh, but the message here recently is that we're just going to clean up a chunk of more bushels between now and the end of the year. Uh, and then additionally in the first couple of weeks of January, all with the same intent that we've talked about numerous times of getting all this crop moved prior to ever getting on a planter. Mm-hmm. And I think we got a pretty good shot at doing that and cash values, you know, anywhere from, you know, call it 650 to seven and a quarter or 750, depending on the region that you're in. Uh, basis is obviously not as firm as it once was when we had the toughest time sourcing grain from the farmer, which would have been on the front end of harvest and kind of on the tail end of harvest. But margins are not necessarily helping things either. Well, I guess what I'm getting at there is the cash value is still pretty darn good, and it just continues to give us the opportunity to let this stuff go uh, kind of in a methodical fashion as we finish up shipments of existing sales, uh, work towards the balance sheet numbers, you know, insurance numbers are all reported now. We're just kind of in that, I don't know, eighth to ninth inning of a baseball game of finishing up the 22 crop year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's easy to um... – you know, if, if the, for those who had deferred payments and that kind of stuff too, just to let that cash come in and not, and kind of forget a little bit about those bushels that are left yet to price too. Isn't, isn't that a bit of a thing to kind of caution people on to pay attention to what's not yet priced? Yeah. I think it sounds kind of bad for me to say this, but I don't know of another way to, to, to put it. That's why I we asked this question. Higher, I, I know we, where we you're going. Higher, <laughs> we need higher markets for next year. We need it from a profitability standpoint. I shouldn't say necessarily need, but we want it. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't have the necessity of needing or wanting the higher price on both 22 and 23. Mm-hmm. I want to get one in the books. I want to keep the farm going in the right direction. And I think, uh, you know, there's an old adage in the merchandising world that uh, buying something uh, right is already half sold in a good manner. Right. So if you can get the 22 crop beer wrapped up with a good shiny bow on it, you're putting yourself in a good position to succeed in 23. Right. And 22 is a known, absolute known. And, and 23, which is what I want to get to next, is an absolute unknown, um, with the exception of probably inputs that have been paid for and then figuring out how to... Um, I don't know if you want to call it take risk off the table. I'm not sure that's the best way to put it. I, I still think it's a one-to-one thing. You 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 bought fertilizer. Um, most everybody's got their rents kind of figured out as, as to what that outlay is going to be. Machinery and that kind of stuff's getting kind of settled in. Um, it's getting pretty close to having a pretty darn good idea on cost of production. Obviously, without knowing yield, you plug in that APH or that um, – 
you know, that expected um, price level. Um, what makes what makes you feel comfortable, or what what do farmers need to be thinking about just to, um, you know, from your perspective to um, get in line and start to be really focused on twenty three if as they finish up twenty two. A lot of it just starts and stops, I should say, with staying on top of your numbers mm-hmm. and having the realistic view of what things look like for 2023 and then identifying what do I want to accomplish? Is that realistic? Uh, worst case, if I don't get that accomplished, what am I looking at? Can my farm absorb that in 2023? What kind of impact does that have for 24, 25, so on and so on? Uh, and, and making sure that you're at least educated on understanding what those scenarios look like uh, on every choice or action that you take. Mm-hmm. I think the majority of your listeners, uh, you know, you don't want to get this too narrow down to a certain geographical region, but let's just say the heart of the Midwest, the heart of the Corn Belt, uh, for the most part, I believe the math kind of checks out that if we have an insurance price somewhere around six bucks in the month of February and a producer being somewhere in that 25 to 40% forward marketed with a six in front of it and being a little um, optimistic on what basis values will be this next fall. When all the dust settles, kind of a weighted average situation, if you got a 30 or crop sold for six, and the market ends up at five, that third of the crop is going to make a monumental difference on the overall profitability. And key word there, I still think it is profitability. Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. if you have that $6 spring price and the market does drop, uh, you're still going to have to come away with a pretty darn good yield to avoid any type of an insurance payout. And as a reminder, obviously insurance doesn't care how you forward market your grain, doesn't care how you sell your grain. Uh, but the overall safety net, uh, on especially corn, I do think that there is a, a pretty resounding case to be built that 30 to 40% sold, $6 plus corn, uh, gives the guy the opportunity to be profitable no matter what next year. I can't say that with certainty in soybeans. $14 beans are $14 beans. It sounds awfully good uh, from a historical price point. Yeah, it is awfully good. But from a profitability standpoint, case by case here, but the majority of the individuals we work with, $14 beans still don't cut it. In, in fact, today I was a little sticker shocked. I had a producer in northeast Nebraska, rather large irrigated farm, that we were heavy, heavy, heavy corn in 2022 with the expectation of getting closer to 60, 40 in 23. And an out of the blue message said, just ran all the numbers again. We're going heavy corn again, like 80 to 20. Mm-hmm. And it just caught me off guard. But that's the practice that needs to be done right there of identifying what can I do, what is reasonable, what's my worst case situation. And for that particular farm, a worst case in corn was a heck of a lot better than a worst case in soybeans. Because at the end of the day, $100 an acre gain or loss, regardless of crop, is still $100 an acre gain or loss. And but- I think that's the, the view that needs to be had versus getting – uh, a little bit of a, I think you got to stay away from the 30,000 foot view on identifying costs on corn and beans. And you really got to hone it all the way down to maybe a 5,000 foot view yeah. and understand and how those things will play out and what gives you the most opportunity. Again, that's case by case, but 
it, when those decisions are being made or those actions are being made, I think that is resounding that for the majority of operations, there's an opportunity to still make money at $6 corn. Definitely not as good of an opportunity at 13 to $14 beans. Yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, case by case, and we've got a, a few handful of guys I've ran across that, that the beans are working okay at these price levels, but like I said, the majority it's not. And the other thing you had mentioned that I think is a, um, I would, um, emphasize a lot is, you know, understanding what is this, what does the stress look like? In other words, and I don't think any of us like doing that. I don't like doing it and I don't spend very much time on it and you shouldn't have to, if you put your numbers together and like you said, you have a really good pulse of what your plan is. All you got to do is take yourself down into that insurance zone where what I call the danger zone where, you know, you yield just enough that you're not going to collect and the price dips down. What does that do to the financial situation? And the only reason I like to do that and I like people to see that because it's painful even to look at it and it's scary, but it usually will motivate you to take action and take more risk off the table. And you're not going to hit the high. You're not probably going to hit the low, but the idea is, is to, is to get an average price that gives you profitability. Comments on that? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying there. Uh, and I think it kind of just sparked a, a, an idea in my head here that <clears throat> I, I'm probably as guilty as anybody that if I'm listening to something, uh, and I'm taking uh, potential advice from somebody you know, I like to, it crosses all our heads like, oh, well, that's easier said than done. But I want to just take a step back here. Why are we talking about this? We're talking about it because I think between the two of us, we're seeing enough numbers that we know we're not blowing any smoke. So, yeah. you know, to your listeners, it's it's more of a message that it's it's the idea of researching those numbers. And if you're not comfortable getting to that point, find somebody that can help you. And that's not an advertisement for myself or you. It's just make sure you do the work. Yeah. Do the due diligence. And it, it's like, there's a, there's from my perception here, you know, one guy speaking, uh, the, all the individuals I speak with in the ag industry, I think there's a layer of complacency out there right now, a good cash position, a good healthy balance sheet, yeah, we know that our costs are up a little bit for next year or maybe for some quite a bit, but haven't taken it to that next step to actually see what it really is. And it's not about how much money I can potentially make. That's all great. Let the market and let the yield do the talking to make more money, but understanding the fastest way to slow down your business is putting yourself in dire straits. And that's no market opinion. Mm -hmm. It just has to be done, mm -hmm. it, especially in today's world. It, it's obviously not like farming 25, 30 years ago. Uh, the market just moves so much more and the amount of money that's on the table. It, it's just astronomical. And I, I've joked with other guys before too, that, you know, in this marketplace that we're in, if you get past the month of February and an insurance price is set and you know what Grady has sold, you know what your guaranteed bushels are, Find me another industry that potentially provides a farmer the opportunity to invest a million to $2 million and get a guaranteed worst case, 10% profitable return. 
a, a joke about it because if you know somewhere else that we can go outside of agriculture and invest money and get a guaranteed 10 to 20% return on our money within 12 months, call me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll get out of agriculture <laughs> as fast as I can and yeah. chase that return. Right. But that's kind of the opportunity that we have in the world mm-hmm. that we live in today in agriculture that those, those aren't, there's not very many times we get to step up to the plate and have a, a watermelon coming at us. Might not be a home run, but you're definitely going to make contact and you're going to move right in the right direction. Well, and last year, a lot of people started selling in the low fives and you can start selling in the low sixes. I mean, it's a buck, you know, and, and I just talked to our one of our suppliers here today and, and several others during the course of the week and say anhydrous and some of those things, you know, $1,200 a ton versus what we paid last year. And you look at that ratio um, on the input side, you know, the inflationary component with the exception of land and equipment really um, bumped up from, from the numbers we're looking at. But it's still a really good margin. It's just not quite as good a margin as what we saw last year. So you got to be careful not to let that halt your sales because you're trying to get the same thing you got last year. If you use last year as a benchmark, I think it's a, it's a recipe for a train wreck, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if it's even fair to look at any year as a benchmark, Chris. Right. It's just, what is the here and now? And does right. it work for my yeah. farm? Yep. And then that's obviously taken away all the speculation on input prices, speculation on grain prices. Uh, I, I just know that if you or I were running a Fortune 500 company and all our investors saw us have the opportunity to lock in hefty margins for a 12-month uh, continuation on top of our really good margin, and if we don't do it and things go mm-hmm. sour, we're not going to be running that Fortune 500 company anymore. Mm-mm. The board's going to vote you off, <laughs> and they're going to look for somebody else who's going to do the right thing to mm-hmm. operate a business in the most profitable manner as possible. Yeah, that's very true. So it, 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 it sure sounds like a soapbox, <laughs> and I hate to even uh, make mention of that, but it just, just it just has to be done. It has to be mm-hmm. considered to know what the scenarios are. And don't put yourself in the bullseye mm-hmm. of a loss. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up this year and look at a new year, it is about discipline, though. It is about risk mitigation. And like you said, that that report's either going to throw more risk at us or some reward, and we won't know until till then. It's, it's kind of between the two. One, one of the last things I wanted to pick your brain on just a little bit is um, – as, as people do look at 23 and they look at sales, is there any um, thing that you're looking at tool-wise that is maybe one of the best things? And I know it's different for everybody. For some people, it's HTAs. For some people, it's, you know, uh, futures on the board. For some people, it's, it's buying puts. And, you know, and some people have margin protection. And some people... Um, you know, are going to do a, a combination, all the above and, and some other things. Is there anything that's, that, you know, of those things and, and some of the stuff you're looking at that, that sticks out, you know, and, and also with that being said, you know, is, is keeping that basis um, available because there's a lot of areas that basis early harvest next year could be pretty strong, couldn't it? Yeah. So I think basis is a little uh, separate yeah. from how you go about marketing your grain. I would agree with you there that any sales at this point in time, I mean, there's probably a few guys that are over 50% sold uh, or greater. Um, But if you're sitting there in that 30 to 50 range, I just don't see a lot of reason to have basis established Mm -hmm. as in avoiding 
afford cash sales unless there are basis levels that are promoting a very highly, highly profitable point that you just don't want to, to deal with. But I would say the risk reward and basis right now, famous last words, uh, the risk is, is better than your posted values for next fall. Uh, right. a, a lot of the Midwest is still same old, same old, 40 to 50 under for new crop corn at your country elevator and maybe 20 to 30 under at a processor. I think it'll be better than that. Mm. And Especially early, to, probably. Earlier harvest. Yeah, yeah, to be early. But the, maybe the more important piece is as we're advocating looking at what I can do to lock in profitability, what you don't want to do is all of a sudden potentially hurt yourself on having a shortfall of a crop and the market move on a cash value to a higher level, but the board doesn't. Mm-hmm. Your crop insurance doesn't care about basis. Right. So your risk reward right now is just to just to manage what I have oftentimes considered the dollars and basis can be the dimes. That's obviously not the situation in the last 12 to 18 months. Basis has been on fire. Uh, it's a lot greater than dimes, but historically it just, you, you don't need to take on that much risk before pollination because mm-hmm. you might be offsetting some risk, but you're bringing risk back into the equation when you have a basis established. When it comes to a tool perspective, I would, I would make the argument that flexibility is important and the flexibility is important because it should allow a little bit more confidence to do what you want to accomplish. I don't know if there's uh, if there's a silver bullet for a strategy. I would say that the silver bullet is probably finding how much needs to be done for your operation to get you to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And that can be any of those tools. It can be using puts. It can be using over-the-counter products, premium type of contracts, or just hedges or HTAs. I would make one comment on that right now. If you know you're going to do some business with a particular destination and a high probability, and you're trying to sell some more crop of next year, don't even use the hedge account for the time being. Just sell HTA. Mm-hmm. And that comes back to the value of cash and just the, the cost of carrying a hedge long term and the potential emotions that come with that. You start selling yeah. $6 futures and we go to seven, you're going to have emotion come to you that is not warranted. Yep. So just use the elevator system from time to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a good peace of mind uh, route to go. And, and uh, as long as, as long as, uh, you know, the, the fees aren't super high. And as long as you've been working with them and you trust them and, and you're going to go there anyway, that's uh, good advice. And that just comes down to communication, right? Yep. I'm going to sell you HTAs, but I want to be fee- treated fairly. Exactly. Yep. So all about the relationship uh, and that game. So, well, I think this was, was pretty good conversation. You know, any, uh, any advice for, I, I didn't warm you up on this question. So we'll wrap up with this final question. Any advice going into the new year? Um, what's the one or two things a producer needs to really pay attention to, to be profitable in 23? Don't spend money in the good times and pay for it in the bad. Good advice. That's We've learned it before. Please don't do it again. Say that again. One more time. <laughs> don't spend money in the good times and ultimately pay for it in the bad. Awesome. As you get guys going to their CPAs and looking at uh, 
You know, how can I park some money to avoid giving money to Uncle Sam? I get it. <laughs> Nobody likes doing that. But just don't yeah. make a decision that you know hurt you in the past unless, unless, there's a caveat to that, you're willing to take all that risk off the table. Right. And there's, and there's still, I got, I got good friends in the industry that are not clients, and there's a reason they're not clients, because they want to claw my eyes out at times. And the upgrades that they're making on equipment and stuff, it's just flat out not necessary. Uh-huh. Above and beyond their means with no intention to grow, those things is like a major pet peeve of mine. And if things slow down, they're going to face themselves, or they're going to find themselves in another tight cash crunch because their annual uh-huh. payments on to boot higher interest rates is going to catch up. Yeah. The the phrase cash is king is going to be a big deal uh, sooner than we might think, probably. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, uh, as usual, um, this has been a, a phenomenal conversation with you, Jared, and um, sincerely appreciate you being on. We're going to definitely get you back on here um, right around that report time as we um, head towards that uh, USDA report, the as you called it, the Super Bowl of reports. Uh, I think that would be a great uh, time to get you back and and uh, make sure we're all paying attention to the right things. And um, really mm-hmm. want to wish you, uh, um, uh, again, a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year and everything. And thanks for all your contribution this past year. And we're excited to have you on board again next year. Same to you and all your listeners. And maybe we'll make some uh, fun uh little guesses between you and I prior to the January report. Oh, so we can get uh, shade tossed at us. And uh, <laughs> what is that end of January down in Florida at your convention? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Looking forward I to that. A little fun with that one. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking forward to that. You're going to be down, down in Florida and St. Petersburg. We are full. Um, I knew we, I knew that was going to happen. The conference is full. We got, got it completely booked and, uh, we're super excited and you're going to be one of the presenters and can't wait to, to see you down there. And again, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it, Jared. You bet. Have uh, a good one, Chris. You bet. And again, that's Jared Creed with JC marketing and, uh, again, Chris Barron here. And we really appreciate you this past year, 2022, and we wish you a safe and possible profitable year in 2023. And we will catch you again next time on the IQ pitch. <laughs>